Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for the program. Have you surrendered to God's good purpose for your life? If sometimes God's purpose doesn't look good, have you surrendered to it? There is a beautiful verse in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah that reads, And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. What does an established congregation of God's people look like? What characterises people's lives when they're following after God's heart? Tonight, Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 30 to explore the heart of God for his people and their response. Let's join him now for Songs of Thanksgiving Shall Come. We're in Jeremiah chapter 30. This is songs of thanksgiving shall come. We're reading from verse 18. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob and have compassion on his dwellings. The city shall be rebuilt on its mound and the palace shall stand where it used to be. A couple of points here. Jeremiah, when he was about 12 or 13 years of age, so a very young teenager, began to speak to the nation. He was initially rejected. He became the object of not just rejection but ridicule. We saw that God called him, told him this would happen continued to give him words. Initially, he was seeing visions and describing those visions. As he grew in his relationship with God, those visions stopped and he began to hear with his spiritual ears and declare certain things. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And as Jeremiah is prophesying this, he begins to prophesy something completely unbelievable. We use that word unbelievable today fairly flippantly. But he began to prophesy that Babylon would become a world empire. And as Jeremiah was prophesying this, the people again said, don't be ridiculous, Jeremiah. Babylon's not even a world empire. It'll never happen. And then, of course, Babylon did become a mighty power and eventually did become a world empire. And they did storm Jerusalem and they did take away captives. They took away all the elite Now, what you may not have picked up in this verse is that Jeremiah in the previous, in verse uh, chapter 29, he's told the people, build houses, plant vineyards, establish yourself in Babylon. And in this verse, it just says, uh, God will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob. Tents is a temporary dwelling. At least I hope it is. If you're living permanently in a tent, that's probably not the best you could do. So in other words, in that, in that one statement, Jeremiah is saying, you who've been taken to Babylon, this is not the end of the story. And this, this idea is going to come through the rest of this chapter. This is not the end of the story because it's just a tent. It's not permanent. The other thing, too, is that Jeremiah has been speaking about the temple. And this verse introduces the concept of the palace. This is cause some translators to go, well, he must be using the word palace to describe the temple. And other commentators have said, no, he's using it very deliberately. Because this verse is, this whole section is about something royal. And palaces are associated with royalty. 
This is an important point. Let's have a look at the next verse because this is where we get the title of this message. Verse 19. Out of them shall come songs of thanksgiving and the voices of those who celebrate. I will multiply them and they shall not be few. I will make them honoured and they shall not be small. Now I want you to just, if all you had in all of the Bible were these two verses, what would this tell you about God? What does this teach us about God? These two verses we've just read, what does it tell you about the character of God? Well, I guess if you had some of the background of Jeremiah, you, you will have read God saying, I, I, I can't stand that you're dishonouring me by worshipping idols and claiming these idols are more powerful than me. Israel had gone into idolatry. I can't stand that I've given you my word and you willfully ignore it. Not that you just won't read it. It's that you know it, you ignore it and disobey it. That's ignorance. They were literally ignoring God's word. What does this teach us about God? Well, hopefully in this verse you see these words where we, we read in verse 18, Behold, I will restore. What does this tell us about God? He's the God of restoration. Why would he do that? Because he's the God of compassion. It actually says that in this verse, I will have compassion on his dwellings. God is a God of restoration. He's not a God of destruction. He's a God of restoration. When people willfully ignore to follow God and his best for their life, often the result is destruction. And often they shake a fist at God and blame him for that destruction. But God is always good. He can only do good. He can only be compassionate. You notice that when God blesses with restoration... And compassion. Notice how people respond, verse 19, with songs. When you acknowledge God, you sing. Why is Christianity the only singing religion? You ever thought about that? Christianity is the only singing religion because there is something designed in us by our Creator to sing. To the creator. And the result of God's blessing is that God's people are fruitful. We read in verse 19, I'll multiply them. They shall not be few. They will be multiplied. Fruitful blessing upon God's people. We want that, don't we? We want to see, you know, won't it be a great day when, when visitors, strangers, first time attenders are sitting where you normally sit. And you go up to them and go, excuse me, that's my seat. <laughs> what a great day. The blessing of God brings multiplication. Let's have a look at the next verse, verse 20. Their children shall be as they were of old, and their congregation shall be, this is a key word, notice this word, established before me. What's the opposite of being established? I guess it's being unsettled, not quite finished. 
Not quite right. Not in order. And I will punish all who oppress them. Children shall be as they were of old. Well, what's that mean? Well, the as of old is that time when Israel was enjoying its, what we might call its golden era. And its golden era was under King David, when David defeated all the enemies, handed the kingdom over to his son Solomon. Israel was one of the most affluent countries on the planet. Children were looked after. No enemy attacked. Notice that. No enemy attacked King Solomon. No enemy ever. It was a peaceful time. And Jeremiah is saying, the day is coming when that will be the case again. When the enemies will all be defeated. And my people shall be an established congregation. What does an an established congregation look like? An established church, an established congregation has godly leadership. People who love Jesus. You know what that means? This is what I've discovered. Leaders care. If you've ever experienced the care of a leader, the care of a leader is different to the care of a friend. The care of a leader is different to the care of a spouse or a father. The care of a leader. You might be in a a home group and you're in the thick of discussion and you come up with something and the leader just cuts you off and says, that's a really interesting point, but we'll come back to that later. And you're like, that really hurt. You could, I've had people in my office who've had similar sorts of experiences. But what you don't know is that you've just raised something that the leader is aware of would be highly insensitive in front of this person if you just discussed it. Have you ever not had a leader do that? You've said something and then afterwards you realised you just put your foot in it like something horrible? I did that last week. Wish I had a home group leader tap me on the shoulder. <laughs> I was talking with someone about something and going off about it. And then about two hours later, they said, you realise that's happened to me. Oh, die. <laughs> die. I wasn't the first one to realise that. Kim had been going on and on and on about it as well. And then they said the same thing to her and she died before me. (laughs) Later that night, we compared dying notes. (laughs) And sometimes the leader will care by, by cutting you off. A leader's love looks like that. A leader looks like, hey, don't do that. A dad loves their children. No, don't do that. That's a leader's love. It looks different. So what does an established congregation look like? It looks like a congregation that's able to express its love to God. You know, if someone says, Andrew, tell God you love him. I love you, God. No hesitation. I love you, God. I'll take every opportunity I can to love you. God, I love you. And an established congregation where there's order and decency is a congregation that expresses their love for each other. What does that look like? It can look like you're coming out of hospital and you turn up and someone knocks at your door with a meal for you that night. We rang up to 
see if we could provide a meal for someone. And we had to wait two nights in order to do it because you guys had already filled up the first two nights of first two days of meals for them. And I got off the phone. I'm a, I was a very proud pastor. An established congregation, as we've heard all over and over and over throughout Jeremiah, is a, is a group of people that, that is devoted to obeying God's word. Do, do you read God's word prayerfully? Do you read it and go, oh God, I've read this now, and this is what I'm going to ask you in a moment. How do you want me to respond to this? How do you want me to respond to this? When I, when I read the New Testament, I read what it says about pastors and shepherds, and I read how it says, lay down your life for the sheep. Serve with a whole heart. Serve not expecting anything for your service. I pray, God, help me to do that. Help me to do that. Okay, so an established congregation also labours in prayer to God for people. Labours in prayer. Because out of the songs of thanksgiving, their, their prayer in song, children result. Spiritually, as we worship God, the result is that people are evangelised and come to know Christ. So as we labour in prayer, and in fact, I think it was, I can't recall who said it, but someone said the actual size of any church is not how many are there on a Sunday morning, but how many are at the prayer meeting. That's the actual size. So an established congregation will labour in prayer to God and an established congregation listens to the voice of God. This is something Jeremiah has been talking about over and over. Listens to the voice of God through his servants. Another prophet said, listen to God's prophets and you will prosper. So as you listen to those that bring you the word, whether it be your home group leader, whether it be those who are behind this pulpit, whatever, you have a heart that's open to hear the voice of God. And an established congregation walks in the fear of the Lord. Now, perhaps some of you are going, now that sounds like a very familiar list. Where did you get that list from? Because it's surely not just from Jeremiah. I mean, it's, it's there. But I've actually just, all I did was go point by point through Acts 2 at the establishment of the church. Each of these points are the points that describe the birth of the church. That's how I can figure out what an established congregation looks like. An established congregation walks in the fear of the Lord. You know what that means? That means the moment you're tempted to do wrong, you realise God is watching. God is watching. And you're not so quick to do that. Let's have a look at the next verse. We're nearly done. Their prince shall be one of themselves. Their ruler shall come out of their midst. I will make him draw near and he shall approach me. For who would dare of himself to approach me, declares the Lord. Now, we are interrupting our list of qualities of an established congregation because I mentioned right at the start godly leadership. And here's this statement. I'll raise up a prince. He will be one of you. He'll be a ruler that'll come out of your midst. I'll make him, I will make him draw near. Who, who are the only ones in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, who were allowed to come near, draw near? The priests. They were the only ones. This is a really interesting statement. I'll make, there'll be a prince who I will call to draw near. A prince. 
Notice that statement. You can't just choose to do that. Who would dare to do this? It says. So in other words, this person, in order to approach God, had to be courageous. He had to be courageous. So an established congregation has courageous servant leaders. An established congregation, we, we read here, of uh, there's, there's children that result from it. You know, children result from intimacy. An established congregation is a, a church that enjoys intimacy with God's spirit. And we want that, don't we? To be open to God's spirit, to have his way and to do that. This next statement, talking of intimacy, is actually a line taken from a Hebrew wedding. And God uses it. This is a wedding statement, this next verse. You shall be my people and I will be your God. The statement is, you will be mine and I will be yours. It's a wedding statement. What do you learn about God when he talks about his people like this? He desires intimacy with you. He desires intimacy with you. We read on the next couple of verses. Verse 23, Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. And this might seem like out of character. Hang on, we're talking about compassion, fruitfulness, thanksgiving, worship. What the heck? Where did... Whirling tempests come from bursting on the heads of the wicked. What's the context here? And the next verse is going to help us to understand that. And we want to make this point that sometimes life only makes sense when we look back on it. When you're going through it at the time, it doesn't make sometimes it doesn't make sense. But as you come out the other side and you can look back on it and go, ah. Thank God. I've heard so many people say that this horrible thing that they went through at the time, they did not want to go through it. And years later, they say, I'm so thankful to God I went through that. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. So... The next time you're going through storms of tempest, whirling in your head, um, bursting your head, um, don't despair. Hang on. It's not over yet. Now, there is another point here. We've been introduced to a character called the prince. This prince will be invited to be a priest. That's irregular. A royal priest who could that be it can only be jesus and then the next verse says judgment will come on the wicked guess what the royal priest jesus has suffered the penalty of sin that the wicked deserve and guess who the wicked are you're looking at one right now it's not the wicked out there it's the wicked here and Jesus took the penalty that the wicked deserve. The next verse, the fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished 
the intentions of his mind. In the latter days, you will understand this. And we're in the latter days and we now look back and we can see what Jesus has done. And we can see that it was the prince, the one who was called to be a prince priest, a royal priest. It was God's plan for God to send him and he would die for the wicked. So God's plan and purpose was to save. But it involves people. See, it says he came out from one of us. Jesus was born a man. He is one of us. As the palace, the place where the king dwells. And we read in 1 Corinthians that the house of God, the palace of God, is the church. Do you realise that? Maybe we should change the name of our church to Palace Christian Church. The place of the prince, the prince of peace, the prince. And the prince's purpose involves you. God's plan and purpose for you involves being a part of the established congregation. The established congregation, not the rabble, not the crowd. We're not trying to build a crowd. We're trying to be a congregation, an established congregation. And God's plan and purpose for you is to be a part of that. To experience the love of a leader. Someone who can speak leadership love into your life, which might sound like this. Hey, I saw what you wrote on Facebook. Don't do that. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate the support. It's great. Have you, here's the question. Have you surrendered to God's good purpose for your life? If sometimes God's purpose doesn't look good, have you surrendered to it? This is the question. Here's a, here's a great thought. Because these people had gone so far from God. They were sacrificing their children. They were in idolatry. They were committing rampant immorality. How far is that from God? That's like as far as you can get. And yet God says, I'll restore you. I'll have compassion on you. What does that tell us about God? No matter how far you've run or how closed you've become, you're only one step away from God. One step. Isn't that amazing? You could run so far and you're only one step away. And it's that step that's taken not with your feet, but with your heart. The interesting thing is, I will make him draw near, he shall approach me. Uh, for who would dare of himself to approach me? The Hebrew word of himself is heart. Heart. In other words, who would have the kind of heart to do that for others? That's the question the prophet asks, declares the Lord, it says. And we know it was Jesus. Jesus Christ is the prince and the priest who gave his heart for you. Boy, we could talk a lot about this. We could talk how Jesus wasn't the reluctant servant. He wasn't the one reluctantly dying for you. He was the one who did it from his heart. Reminds me of the story of the dad who told his son, sit down. And his son said, no, son, sit down. I will not sit down. Son, sit down. No, I will not sit down. Son, sit down. All right then. But I'm standing up on the inside. It's like <laughs> sometimes the attitude doesn't conform to the request. 
But Jesus didn't hear his father say, sit down. He heard his father say, go to the cross and die for these people. And Jesus said from his heart, I will. That's why I'm not here just to give you information. I want to give you my heart. That's why you may have wondered if, if I roster people on to preach and they only turn up when I've rostered them on to preach, it tells me something about their heart. And they find themselves taken off the preaching roster. Because this is not what I'm doing now about information. This is about heart transformation. The prince. Have you seen the prince? Isaac Watts wrote this. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. With a whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. That's how we should respond to Jesus. Let's pray. Perhaps you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never given your heart to the one who's given his heart to you. Can I invite you to pray this prayer? God, help me. I give my life to you. Please forgive me. My life is not what it should be. I ask you to make something good of my life. Please give me hope and restore my life to what you want it to be. I now know why Jesus died for me. And I want to thank you for this gracious gift. You pray a prayer like that. You've just taken that one step back. You're only one step away from God. And now, Father, I pray for us. I pray for us that our hearts would be yours. That we wouldn't be like that little boy saying, I'm standing up on the inside. But, Father, we would say, I'm yielding on the outside because I'm yielding from my heart. I give you my heart. Have your way in my life. Whatever it is, wherever it is, however it is. Lord, I want to follow you. Have your way in my life. And I pray, Lord, that out of this church, in this church, songs of thanksgiving, songs that confess you are a good God, will arise in Jesus' name. Amen. God is a restoring and compassionate God, and the result of his blessing to us is songs of praise to him. He is our God, and we are his people. More from Jeremiah and Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Songs of Thanksgiving Shall Come, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.